live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. They're playing Purdue today? What? They're playing Purdue? And that voice that you hear is Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated filling in this week for Kevin Downey. Kevin is uh, off away from work selling a lot of RVs for his company uh, down in Hershey. So uh, Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated jumping in with us. And, well, uh, we're not off to the beat of the right drum. Oh, I got my drum joke in already. Okay, we're off and running. Uh, Tim, thanks for filling in today. And, uh, man, uh Kind of crazy to think where we're at here with uh, Notre Dame football two and zero start on the year, and it doesn't feel like it's a two and zero start. It does to me? Huh? Oh, it does. Okay. No, it does. I mean, obviously, it's a slow start, and they they need to be way better um, consistency wise offensively. The offensive line, I'm sure we're going to uh, address that more than a few times here in the next hour. And then defensively. They've really done some good things, but there's four plays that, that, that stick out. So, no, I mean, they're not playing their best football. It is a team that was – it's in transition from a couple different perspectives. One, they lost nine draft picks and five free agents. But also the style of offense from a run-oriented offense to a pass-oriented offense and from a, you know, a, a more of a keep-the-football-in-front-of-you defense and, and now an aggressive defense, which has reached up and bit them a couple times. But uh, they need to play better football. There's no doubt about that. I think they'll do that on the defensive side of the ball. I think it remains to be seen whether they can do that with the offensive line. And now here comes Purdue. Used to be an annual battle for bragging rights every year from 1946 to 2014. Notre Dame and Purdue met on the gridiron. The Irish winning nearly 70% of those matchups. But if you're a Notre Dame fan and you have a brother, uncle, daughter, cousin that's a Purdue fan, they always let you know about the 30% of those wins that uh, Purdue had over over the years over Notre Dame. And now for the first time since 2014, the battle for the shillelagh is back. The big Purdue drum is not, but Purdue versus Notre Dame is, and it all comes as Notre Dame is still trying to find itself coming off a pair of three-point wins over Florida State and Toledo. And again, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where Bank does matter. Tim Priester filling in for Kevin Downey this week and Ilya Glasman on the other side of the glass will chimp chip in on occasion as well with his two cents from an ND fan. All right, here's what's on tap on today's show. Our focus on faith segment is with two South Bend natives. They're brothers and they're both priests. Bishop Bill Walk, a big Notre Dame fan. His little brother Neil, a Purdue alum and Boilermaker fan. And, oh by the way, Grandpa lived across the street from some guy named Newt Rockney. So they've got stories, and we'll share them with you coming up later on. We'll, of course, break down the matchup with Purdue today. Outstanding defensive lineman and wide receiver to worry about. We'll chat about Marion High alum Xander Horvath not being able to play today for Purdue. Uh, you know, Tim and I both know uh, the family and Xander, and just so tough to see for him personally. And meanwhile, Jack Kaiser comes from Purdue family. What will today be like for the Irish linebacker? You can also weigh in our poll question after two games. We are revisiting our first question of the year. Simply, how many wins does Notre Dame end up with at the end of the regular season? Uh, the votes have changed on that. Yeah, I quite, bet they have. Quite <laughs> I a, bet they have. Quite a bit. Uh, you could go to my Twitter account, at Ange DiCarlo on Twitter, and cast your vote. We'll have the results of that a little bit what later is, on. What's your vote on that now? What was it preseason? Which, first of all, preseason picks are insane. Yes. Because you have to pick them the week of the game. The, the nature of the game with injuries and 
momentum changing. I, you know, you really need to pick them the day of the game or the week of the sure. game. But. I was ten and two before the season, and but my losses were to uh, Wisconsin and North Carolina. I'm not sure if I'm picking right now. I might. St- I think I'm still saying ten and two, but I don't think I'm picking. Wisconsin and North Carolina as my two losses, perhaps. I think Virginia Tech perhaps could be one of those losses now, based on. I re- yeah, for, I, Virginia. If you haven't, mm-hmm. Virginia's a uh, looking like a really good football team. I love what their left-handed quarterback. Um, I think it's Brennan Armstrong has done for them. So, and that's a road trip, you know, in November. So that one could get a little tricky for Notre Dame too. They none of them look like a gimme. gimme no, right that's now. the thing. I mean, well, Navy maybe. <laughs> Navy does, and, and maybe Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. Although Georgia Tech has athletes, they'll be capable by by the end of the well, season. And who knows what to expect from USC now? Uh, you know, they fire Clay Helton. You don't know if that will mean they will be playing better or if they're yeah. going to be. You know, in the a dumpster fire by midseason, so we we have no idea. So, and we don't know what to expect from Wisconsin next week. So, we don't know what to expect from Notre Dame today. Then that's the that's we the don't whole, know. We, we just don't we, know. We just don't know. <laughs> and I feel like I don't remember the last time at this point in the year where we really well. I guess it was 2018 when you had uh, the transition from Ian Book or from Brandon Wimbush to yeah. Ian Book when we really started learning about Notre Dame. But let me ask you this, Tim. You know, knowing all the problems that Notre Dame has on defense with big play, giving up big plays, and the offensive line and the run game and protecting the quarterback, debate of sorts, I guess you could say, with the with the quarterback position starting to brew. But what are the areas that Purdue is most likely to challenge and exploit against Notre Dame here today? Well, the, George Karloftis, their their defensive end, is uh, I've been using this phrase everywhere else, so I'll go ahead and share it with you guys. I don't know how good it is, but when I watch him on film, it's like he's like a downhill skier. Hmm. I mean, he is he is flying at you. He gets off blocks, uses his hands really well. So he's you know he's dangerous, especially with Notre Dame's left tackle situation, likely down to their third left tackle um, uh, how many times did brian kelly let us know they're down to the yeah. third left tackle and then <laughs> you know and then i i jack Plummer, their quarterback i like what he does he's a resourceful guy <coughs> excuse me connecticut sacked him a couple times early in the game last week but he's not going to get sacked very often uh he's extremely accurate um you know david bell david bell is difficult to defend because he's not He's not lined up wide and running, you know, vertically downfield. He's running underneath just past the line of scrimmage, so it's difficult to defend him. It's difficult to prevent him from getting his hands on the football, and then most of his yards come after the catch. So he's problematic. Payne Durham, I like their tight end a lot. And, I, you know, when I look at their secondary and I look at their defensive line, like Florida State, they added a bunch of uh, of transfers, so they've upgraded. I – I mean, I think this looks like a pretty good Purdue team, and I think Purdue's going to play well today for a lot of reasons. I think Notre Dame's going to play well, too. Well, you think Notre Dame maybe has the chip on the shoulder a little bit now after the way they played the first two games. Purdue, by the way, has beat or beat Oregon State 30-21 to in the opener, and then UConn, who may be the worst 1A yeah, football team in the country. They're awful. They get, they gave up 5.9 yards per rush last year, but the year before, they gave up 7.7 yards per carry. I've never heard anything like that. It's hard to imagine that is yeah. a so program. They're re- yeah, they're really bad. You yeah. know, but so you don't know what to expect. But you know, but they beat them 49 nothing. As as we used to say in the coaching world, I mean, 
you play a bad team, you can play down to their level or you can kick their butt, and they kick right. their butt. Uh, all right. Uh, obviously, there's plenty of trouble last week against Toledo. I felt, I don't know how you felt, the majority of the game, even when Notre Dame's down, I'm like, they're going to win. The, they'll win. And then all of a sudden, we get to the two-minute drill, and they're down, and the offense has not shown us anything to indicate that they can get a two-minute drill going. I, at that point, go, wow, they're going to lose to Toledo. And we're on the field, and I thought they were going to lose. And then Jack Cohn saves the day with a engineering a 26-second drive and wins it and maybe hushes some of the criti- critics out there who are saying, play Buckner, play Buckner. But what was your mindset in the fourth quarter and then you know down on the field as this game was uh, finishing? I'm not sure that I... Well, first of all, at halftime, I turned to Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated and said, I think they're going to lose just the, at, at 16 to 14. Um, and, and, you know, then they end up scoring 18 points in the fourth quarter. But first of all, <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure exactly what we expected out of Jack Cohn in terms of, uh, you know, hanging in there when the pass when the pass rush is crashing down on him. We knew he wasn't going to be very mobile, but he's a guy, if he can set his feet, He's going to be a 70%, you know, have a 70% completion percentage. So, um, and he did the right thing. He threw it to Kevin Austin and Michael Mayer. They're two most, they're two best and most explosive players, uh, you know, in the passing game. So I'm not sure I had my mind made up on the, uh, on, on the field in the end zone, which, which is not a great view for us. Is no. it? But fortunately, it was, you it, have was, the score. It, it was when Toledo scored their touchdown. Well, that's very true. But, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're, we're normally we've always been allowed to roam the sidelines. Of course, not last year. This year they allowed, allowed us back on the field, but we have to stay in the uh, end zone. in the north end zone. Yeah, so you know, uh, Toledo's a good team. I know, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but they're a veter- very veteran football team. Love their defensive line going in, uh, and they came in motivated, and did a heck of a job. All right, uh, let's let's check in with Brian Kelly on what he had to say this week about Notre Dame's two and zero start, and maybe you know this type of 2-0 start, the way they've won these games? You know, winning is not simply their standard, right? They, they want to be champions. And they know that this performance of the last couple of weeks was, was good enough to get a win, but it's, it's not going to take them to a championship level. And so they know, we know as coaches, we have to coach better and they have to play better. So I don't think there's anybody in the building walking around going, this is the best 2-0 football team we've ever had before. Um, but we also remember that in 2018, you know, we had the hands team on the field against Ball State, and we went undefeated that year, and that was a 4-18 and in the MAC. So there's no panic. we got to get better. We know the things that we have to work on. Um, we are transitioning some personnel, um, but we're, we're committed to playing to a higher standard. I thought that was a good quote. Uh, we no one thinks this is the best two and zero start we've ever had, and and that's that is very accurate, right? I mean, that part is accurate. Um, well, it's certainly comparable to twenty eighteen. It, when, it really when, is. Yeah. But the difference is, they don't have. You could say, oh, Tyler Buckner is the answer for Ian Book or whatever. You know, that's the comparison. The difference is they had the offensive line that could handle things, and they they really don't this year, and that's. That to me is the, the the big the big problem. Let let me ask you this, Kelly. Kelly also said we have to simplify things, and he said this on both the offense and the defense. Was this just 
coach speak? I I think that kind of was. I mean, I you know, I I don't. How can you simplify things off offensively when Tommy Reese? I mean, I guess you simplify simplify from the standpoint of there's about forty percent of the playbook that you can't use when your offensive line can't block. So I think Tommy Reese has done a great job of dipping deep into the playbook and coming up with with ways to 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 make it work. But I mean, I guess on the defense side, you probably can simplify things, right? Maybe you can just not be. It, is he saying by simplifying it, not be as aggressive? It, it would seem that that it would indicate that, but I don't think they're going to simple. I don't think they need to simplify okay. on defense. They've they've faced 137 plays in two games. 133 of them have averaged 3.8 yards. The other four have averaged 70.5. So, and, and a, you know, a couple of those, like the first one, the 89-yard run by Florida State, you had Shane Simon and DJ Brown on the field, and they are not known as two of Nordheim's better tacklers. DJ Brown didn't really play against Toledo to reflect that. So, I, you know, I don't think, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think a, a, a good portion of that was coach speak, um, you know, simplify where they have to simplify is for Tyler Buckner right now, which is what, what they're doing. I, I think you need to play both quarterbacks. I, I don't think you have a choice. How, how are you going to run? if you don't insert Tyler Buckner and go into some different avenues within your playbook. Well, all right, let's go to the quarterback position then. Um, obviously, if Notre Dame does not have that game-winning drive by Jack Cohn, I mean, first of all, they're one-on-one and they just lost to Toledo. So you're going to hear everybody saying, play Buckner, play Buckner, play Buckner. And maybe the argument would be justified at that point because you're one-on-one and you lost to Toledo. Maybe it is time to just say, Play the young kid and get him ready for years to come. I mean, if you lose to Toledo, I know they're a better team than a traditional MAC team, but I could see that. But now, I mean, you're still hearing some people say it, but Cone kind of quieted things a little bit. Um, but I think the answer is probably just playing both right now. Um, but do you think Buckner eventually ends up as the starting quarterback this year? I, I don't. Okay. And, and I don't think that that's in Notre Dame's best interest. Um, now juggling two quarterbacks again. Tommy Reese, Brian Kelly did a really good job of it last week. It won't always look well. Buckner had the advantage. We talked about this, right? He Toledo did not necessarily expect him to be in right. The, game. the element of surprise was definitely working in his favor, and they haven't. You know, he doesn't have full mastery of the the, the playbook, uh, and and Jack Cohn does because he's, you know, he started twenty twenty games in his collegiate career, so. I would pump the brakes on that, I, I, but I, I, I'm saying that Tyler Buckner needs to play because they need that to help launch their offense. But Jack Cohn brings a lot of qualities to this offense, and I, and I think they both need to be in play. Now, if something changes this week, like you said, had they been one-on-one, yeah, that certainly uh, sheds a different light on it. But Jack Cohn can bring a lot of qualities to this offense, and I think Tyler Buckner can too. And for right now, in order to maximize your offense – I think you need both. I I think I, I won't put words in your mouth, for, but for me, Buckner's performance certainly opened the door a little bit more for me to be like, yeah, sure. I think he definitely needs to be in, in this a lot more than I probably would have said heading yeah, into that game. He's a, he's, a, he's a very bright kid. He's a very mature kid. Everybody knew that during the recruiting process. And he came in and, and performed – uh, very calmly and successfully. So that's really a, a great sign. But he cannot do, 
he cannot do the things in a passing game that Jack Cohn can do right now. So we need to just kind of pump the brakes a little bit on picking one over the other. Both of them need to play right now. This is a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it. Can the offensive line be fixed? Uh, fixed to what extent? Oh, that's what I'm I mean, I, can they can will they be uh, an effective asset to the team as they get into the meat of their schedule coming up here five straight games i i have a hard time picturing that yeah. because that's just offensive line play defensive line plays different defensive line play we've known they are going to be good and they have been good but the big plays overshadow that um you know offensive line boy that, that's a that's a work in progress we're, we're probably we're going to see Andrew Kristoffik today, presumably for Kane Madden, who really hasn't played very well. But, you know, I don't think Josh Lug has played very well. I don't think he's moved his feet. I don't know who has, other than maybe Jared Patterson. Uh, I thought I thought Corral played well okay. against Florida State, but not last week against Toledo. And, again, I try to rewatch all this, but it's there's hard. 22 guys running around and you don't watch – you can't watch all five offensive linemen every snap. But that's just my impression. Patterson, I think, has been fine at center. Uh, but Madden has not, and Lug has surprised me that I just don't think that he's moved his feet very well. Do you, do you anticipate Carmody playing today or not? I know he said they said game time decision, yeah, but we, we saw him Tuesday, and he was walking off the practice field in a boot and was limping pretty badly. That doesn't look very good. No, but but Brian Kelly said on Monday that he responded well on Sunday, the day after the game. So I would think that they're going to have him at the ready. Uh, Tosh B Baker came in and played. They really like Joe Alt, another true freshman, uh, along with Blake Fisher and, and Rocco Spindler. Um, they got to go against Karloftis. Though. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Whoever's I, in no, there. No, I know. But Tosh Baker is not the most fleet of foot left tackle out there either. He's 6'8", 300, so he's hard to get around from that perspective. But I'm t I, Karloftis is so... I really enjoy watching opponents now leading up to games uh, just because you see different athletes emerge, and I just really love the way he plays football. All right, uh, let's turn to the Irish defense, which we know is uh, another problem for Notre Dame. It, it, the offensive line is, I would say, the biggest problem, certainly, but the big plays that the defense has given up has been a massive problem. Let's listen into Kurt Heinisch about what he has to say about Notre Dame's defensive play. The thing that's been killing us on defense is, is tackling, right? And it's just, and that's comes with details. And when you can play mistake free, which is impossible, but we try to do our best at it. Um, you, we're, like I said before, like I, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say a hundred times, and you guys take it out. It is like we've been playing fast and we make mistakes, and that's that comes with playing fast. But like I said, when we're going to, when we're on our details, when we can find the happy medium of playing fast and playing free, that's when it'd be great. And so something that's been, that's been, you know, biting us in the has been tackling and so that's something we've been working on right or, or missing a fit right or you know and coach Mickens and coach Freeman and coach Larry and they're doing their part in the backs in the, in the secondary to get everybody going just as much as coach Freeman and coach Elson are getting us going going up front no one in, in, in that facility is is taking anything easy right now right we're all working extremely hard especially when we come out in the practice field and even in the meeting rooms and it, you know there's a vibe in the facility that can be felt that we need to have a sense of urgency and, and uh, intensity when we come outside for practice. He said a lot of things, and I know you were in a different media session. They break things up between audio yeah. and, and, and print guys. But uh, so 
he said a lot of different things, I imagine, to you guys as well. But he seemed like he was a pretty open book saying, we haven't played to our, our level and I haven't played to my level as well individually. Yeah, and in our uh, meeting with him upstairs, uh, you know, he, t- he put it on himself. He said, I was yeah. really upset with myself on Sunday because I allowed some things to slide. And, and so... You know, I mean, I, he is a, a big motivating factor on this team. And, and I that's his words. That's part of the reason why I think Notre Dame's going to play this well. I mean, they're better than this. Um, how much better? I don't know. But they're better than this. And the tackling definitely improved against Toledo. You know, after three quarters, Toledo had 172 yards. They were doing a great job other than the. 66 or 67 yard pass well wow. that kj wallace came on the field and they did a crisscross and it, it confused them and they, and they hit it big and then the long run which was really disappointing because Notre Dame had just taken an eight point lead and you thought okay you got backed up if you can get a punt and score again then you got then you have your two score lead but that was a case where riley mills didn't get off a block you know and, and i i like riley mills i think he's got a great future ahead of him but Jason Adamalola is playing great football, and he wasn't on the field for that play. And Mills didn't get off a block, and the two inside linebackers were squared up by offensive linemen, and it's off and running. So Let's just say this. Defense has given up four plays of 60-plus yards in two games. And I believe it was Pete Sampson that first started coming out with the stat. Clark Lee's defense gave up just three plays of 60-plus yards in three seasons. 38 games. That's unbelievable. 38 games, and it took two under Marcus Freeman. Now, there there I I'm not saying this is an excuse, but there's a there's a reason. And part of the reason is more aggressive. If you're going to attack the line of scrimmage, which has led to 10 sacks and 19 tackles for loss, which that's a really good thing. I mean, wh- how, what are you going to you're going to simplify when you're getting 5 sacks a game? I mean, I I think you I think you go after it. You just need to tackle better and then, you know, when it's the moment of truth, guys coming off the bench need to make a play. All right, uh, Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has been serving the Notre Dame community for more than 80 years. Get a debit or credit card from Notre Dame FCU and take a little bit of Notre Dame with you wherever you go. Member-owned, not-for-profit banking is the way to go. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Still to come, one brother is a Notre Dame fan, the other is a Purdue fan, and both are priests and South Bend natives. A great focus on faith chat with the Walk Brothers. But up next, Jack Kaiser comes from a... Purdue family. So what will today be like for the Irish linebacker? That's next on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo alongside Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated filling in today for Kevin Downey. Last night, Marion with a big win over Adams in our Tire Act Game of the Week here in Michigan. Next week, we've got Marion hosting Penn. You can watch the game on Facebook.com slash 95.7 Sports or listen to it on the South Bend side on 95.7 FM. Thanks to our listeners also in Fort Wayne on 106.3 in Northeast Indiana today as well. Well, one guy who I'm sure has been keeping an eye on his alma mater, but he was certainly probably hoping that his alma mater was going to be keeping a whole big eye on him today is Xander Horvath, the starting running back for the Purdue Boilermakers. 
was expected to have a great homecoming here today, and unfortunately Xander broke his leg last week against UConn, had surgery earlier this week, out four to eight weeks, and Tim, you know, you know his dad really well. I, I, I covered Xander quite a bit at in my days at WNDU. Just heartbreaking to see that Xander won't get this opportunity to play at Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, you know, there was a – at one point he was interested in, in walking on at Notre Dame um, cause, because he's a fantastic student. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, it means a lot. It's just the timing is just cruel. Um, and Alexander, I promise his dad, I'll call him Alexander because everybody. I had promised him that I when, hey, when I write about him You're going to say Alexander, year, not say, Xander. Yeah, I'll say Alexander. But, man, he's such a tough kid. You know, and they – Purdue is bad running the football. But Horvath averaged five yards of carry last year for a team that isn't – for an offensive line that isn't that good. So – you know that's a that's a uh, in addition to being disappointing for Alexander, it's a big blow to Purdue because they're they do have a uh, they've got a, a transfer behind uh, King Daru, who's from uh, I, I want to say Western Kentucky, who's a little bit more of a power back. But it's a it's a big blow. There's no doubt that hurts them significantly. Uh, no question. And uh, you know, and then we move on the other side, and you have a Notre Dame kid who is coming from a Purdue family, and that's Jack Kaiser. Uh, his dad went to Purdue. His brother went to Purdue. His uncle played at Purdue. His girlfriend goes to Purdue. His girlfriend. All of his friends go to Purdue. <laughs> He's got pictures of him on the field <laughs> yeah. at Purdue yeah. wearing Purdue gear. I mean, you talk about someone who's – I'm not sure. I mean, he he's a Purdue, he's a Purdue guy, and here he is at Notre Dame. This will be very interesting for him here today. It it will be. First of all, you gotta love Jack Kaiser. He's just oh, such yeah. a he's such a down to earth, uh, innocent human being coming from a town of one stoplight. Uh, yeah, one stoplight and an enrollment at his high school of like four forty four or something along those lines. And he's done a really nice job. You know, when when they were recruiting him, I'm like, Really? A one A player? You can't find a guy that's better. I remember you guys saying that. Yeah. I'm like, Have you watched him? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like... then but then you then you see him and he's uh, he's He's very smart, very instinctive. All the players talk about how intelligent that he is, and he he plays a big role for them along with Isaiah Pryor. Isaiah Pryor is more of a get-up-the-field guy, whereas Kaiser can do some things more laterally for them defensively. Jack's got like 20, 30 people coming. He said he put his dad in charge of making sure no one wears Purdue shirts, and then he said maybe that's a mistake because um, can I trust my dad to make sure <laughs> that everyone's not wearing Purdue shirts? So I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, uh, but, yeah, this will be a great homecoming for him. He said I, – I try to get it out of him who's going to be the rogue person. Who you know? Who's the oddball in the stands that's going to be cheering on Purdue and Jack? He wouldn't. He wouldn't give it in. He, you know, it's probably an uncle or something, right? It's there's got to be something. All right, let's go rapid fire real quick. No big drum for Purdue. First time since '79, allegedly, that they haven't brought the big drum to a game. Notre Dame won't let him come down the big tunnel. Your thoughts? I think Tyler James didn't he? He said something in the story today about they were they didn't bring the drum and drum the last time they were here in 2012. Well, then Purdue's I making it, a big okay. deal out of yeah. something. On, if it's on the surface, it seems a little petty. Uh, on the surface, it's Notre Dame Stadium and they can do whatever they want to do. But I, you know, I, I just don't want to say, "Hey, this is petty," without maybe knowing sure. all the reasons behind it. Real quick, when's the next game we ever see on Peacock? <laughs> Next year, ooh, I don't even know if it'll be next year. Oh, right? that's a, that. I It'll mean, Jack Schwarber told me face to face, we're moving in. 
the world is moving in a streaming direction. But it wasn't very successful, I don't think. Well, you know, first time for anything is frequently I, I'm just thinking they may take one more year break. I, I, they, maybe they will do one more game next year. It's possible. They'll get it together. But, all right. Uh, oh, by the way, Kelly can tie Rockney today. Uh, How about that? 9.30, and this is the first time we're mentioning it. It just doesn't feel like it's as... Yeah, I mean... Um, Maybe it's because- on the field. It'll be it, he has 104 wins. Of course, those some of those were vacated, which I applaud Notre Dame, frankly, for just not even acknowledging that other <laughs> That's than, than an asterisk and on their uh, handout. And, you know, but um, I mean, I, I believe it's 22. He's going to tie him having coached 22 more games. Mm. That's I mean, that's not bad considering. You know, I mean, Rockney was going, you know, 8-0, 9-0. Right. So, you know, I mean, 105 and 39, that's a pretty good record. And, and I and I get it. You need to win the national championship. You, we, you need to, to beat the Clemsons in the postseason, Alabama in the postseason, and Ohio State in the postseason. But 105, potentially 105 and 39 is uh, doing a pretty good job. All right, big thank you to Tyrac for all their support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joe and Marion High Schools here in Michiana. The students receive practical college-level internship experience helping out with our broadcast of high school football. Wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tyrac. More tires, great prices. Visit TireRack.com. All right, up next, imagine a story. Imagine the stories if your grandpa lived across the street from Newt Rockney. For Bill and Neil Walk, they don't have to imagine it. That's exactly what happened. And, oh, it's Bishop Bill and Father Neil. Bishop Bill, a Notre Dame fan. Father Neil, a Purdue fan. A lot of great stories. I chat with both next on Focus on Faith and Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money, and when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome. Welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Time now for Focus on Faith, and this is a good one. One brother's a bishop, the other's a priest. Bishop Bill Walk, a Notre Dame alum. Father Neil Walk, a Purdue undergrad. Both went to Notre Dame to become priests of the Congregation of the Holy Cross. They're South Bend natives and two of the youngest of 10 children. They graduated from La Salle High School and were parishioners at Christ the King growing up. They have a zillion Notre Dame connections, including Grandpa living across the street from Newt Rockney. Bill is a bishop of Pensacola, Tallahassee. He was actually in Florida State's athletic director's box in week one, uh, sneakily cheering for Notre Dame underneath his breath. Neil working here in South Bend for a long time for the congregation. He's currently the religious superior for the Holy Cross community at Stonehill College. But most of all, they're brothers who love each other, love the Lord, and brothers who certainly want bragging rights over the other here today. Here's Focus on Faith with Bishop Bill and Father Neil Walk. All right, uh, Bishop Bill and Father Neil, thanks for joining us. Great to have uh, two brothers on opposite sides of the Notre Dame-Purdue rivalry joining us here. And that's what this rivalry game is really all about, right? Uh, Families divided uh, when this game happens. Bishop Bill, I want to start with you because I know your brother grew up 
a Notre Dame fan. And then he eventually went to Purdue and became a Purdue fan. What was your reaction when you realized he was slowly becoming a Purdue fan over a Notre Dame football fan? Well, it's funny because it was just understood in my family that you rooted, you cheered for Notre Dame. I mean, my grandfather, our grandfather taught there for 30 some years. I think he graduated 100 years ago next year, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, and it was just, you know, my my father went there from 46 to 50, never saw Notre Dame lose. They tied twice, I believe, but they never lost in his undergrad career. So, I mean, it's just our great uncle was a Holy Cross priest. It was it was understood. So actually, and we're, I'm number nine, Neil's number 10. And so actually, by the time it got to Neil, I think, choosing Purdue, it was it was almost kind of like it was understood that somebody would do that. You know, someone <laughs> would, would uh, betray the family. <laughs> so, Father Neil, what was it like betraying the family? Well, thank you for asking, Angelo. Uh, I made my mother cry. So that was one thing. Uh, <laughs> New Year's Eve, before I made the uh, decision, I told everyone this, when the big ball drops, I'll tell you where I'm going to school. So, so believe it or not, this was back when the admissions were a lot easier. I was accepted in Notre Dame and Purdue. And uh, I, the big ball dropped. I said, I'm going to Purdue. And my mom just started crying. So I thought, oh, this is great. I've broken her heart. Uh, but boy, it's, it's a good school, I got to tell you. So I was pretty happy to go there. What, what was the reaction like then when they realized you were actually going to root for Purdue besides just going to Purdue in the Purdue-Notre Dame games? Oh, I think it was open disgust, Angelo. They were not happy with the idea because, as Billy said, Bishop Bill, excuse me, uh, that was supposed to be our destiny was always to root for Notre Dame. And then when there was a, a Notre Dame-Purdue game and I started saying, no, I'm, I'm going for Purdue, yeah, they uh, almost disowned me, but then they realized I'm taking a vow of poverty, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> you know, Bishop Bill, uh, can you explain the you, you you started the love of Notre Dame in the family, but you know, and you mentioned you guys are uh, among ten kids there and, and the the family history, but it goes even farther back. I mean, the fact that you know you have family members that lived across the street from Rockney. Can you uh, take us through the the history and how how much maybe you guys were taught? about Notre Dame football and Notre Dame and the love of it based on the fact that that connection to Newt Rockney? Yeah, it's just, it was just always there, you know. Um, my, yes, our grandfather, as I said, I think it was, I think I have to make sure, but uh, he graduated a hundred years ago and then taught after that. And that's not a euphemism. I'm not saying it's not, you know, like he graduated a thousand years ago. No, it really was a hundred years ago from Notre Dame. And then, and, um, and grew up there and lived right across from the Rockneys. And so I understand that he knew Canoe pretty well. And my grandmother and Mrs. Rockney would get together occasionally for tea or just to visit and everything. And um, dad talked about, as a little boy, watching the team practice in uh, the Rockneys' backyard, I guess. And uh, he said they could see the ball, you know, going over there, throwing the ball, passing it. And, and he would have some players over there and he'd work on, you know, offense or something like that in the backyard. It's just, it really is interesting because for us, that's jaw dropping, you know, but for dad and for grandpa, that was like, yeah, what, that was our neighbor, you know, I mean, they, I, they know it was special, but for them, it wasn't that special. But anyway, it's just, that's part of our DNA. I think, you know, it's, it's in our family, just in our blood. Uh, Father Neil, obviously you, you were a Notre Dame fan, as we mentioned, growing up. So hearing those yeah. stories, how neat was that from your perspective as well to hear, wait a minute, we grew up hanging out with the Rockneys? Right, right. No, very cool. Uh, you know, when we were growing up, 
there were 10 of us in the family, so it was very difficult to get to the games, uh, but we would go to the blue and gold game every year. And uh, Pop would take us down to the field after the game and we'd get signatures from all these different people. So you just, yeah, they were just our, our idols, you know, our heroes, you know, people like Joe Montana and um, Joe Theismann, um, Ken McAfee. I liked Ken McAfee a lot, actually. He was one of my favorite players. Uh, Ross Browder, just people, all these different folks from the 70s and 80s. Um, so, yeah, to hear that they actually knew Newt Rockney and, and Grandpa, I think, rode the streetcar with them sometimes. So just really, really cool. Bishop Bill Walk, Father Neil Walk, the two Walk brothers, uh, South Bend natives, joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, our Focus on Faith interview. It doesn't get much of a more focus on faith for a football show than a bishop and a and a brother who's also a priest here. Bishop Bill, you know, who were some of your favorite players growing up? You know, it's funny. I would say the same thing. Neil and I, we were, we, we were close. We are close, so we would follow the same folks. But, yeah, I mean, just uh, – just thinking about those, uh, the great uh, tight ends, especially. I don't know why, you know, Notre Dame's tight end university or it was. Yeah. And uh, so all those folks. And any, and frankly, it was anyone who would give me their autograph at the time. I was just like, I would frame it. It's like, not frame it, you know, put it up. This is huge. They know me. I know Ross Browner, Ken McAfee, whatever. Um, and then um, I was privileged to go there as an undergrad. We both went there as grad students, but as an undergrad, that was uh, the last time we won it all. You know, that was my senior year in 88, 89. And so um, just, uh, just that, obviously, Rocket and Ishmael and Tim Brown and everything, you know, and Reggie Ho. It's really fun to be there during those years as well. What was that experience like? To I imagine you never thought that was going to be the 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 most recent one right as you go these the, the all these years later but what was that like to be an undergrad there because I was there as an undergrad at Syracuse when we won the basketball national championship in 2003 it's the thing I talk about more than anything so what was that like as uh, as an undergrad to be a part of uh, a national championship well it's funny it's like what I said what we were saying about grandpa and dad you know growing up with the rock knees and everything right there right next door it was not normal but it was you know Notre Dame they won all the time and when we won that one in 88 89 it's like well this is a dynasty I mean with Lou Holtz we're just going to keep going how many championships will we win you know so at the time I mean of course it was huge it was big we were there and uh, we we um, went to the Fiesta Bowl and watched them win that and, you know, to be declared number one and went out on the field and all that. It was there. It was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, yeah, you said you mentioned Syracuse, you know, winning it all and everything. You know how that is. It's just euphoric. Well, a bunch of us, a bunch of uh, my brothers and I, Neil, and we got in a van and, and went down there and it was a crazy trip and a fun trip and everything. And then just uh, again, like I said, Notre Dame one big games like that you just you knew it you know we were going down there we had a lot of swagger you know signs on the vans you know and at number one and all that and coming back was a lot of fun the van broke down but that was a mess but anyway just it was really really fun <laughs> uh, father neil as you transitioned to become a purdue fan over notre dame what were the experiences like when you were watching a purdue notre dame game a little bit of uh schizophrenia you might say kind of am I rooting for this team or that team you know always worried about um, people making fun of me or ragging on me I don't know what the word is these days but teasing me about it I guess you'd say that's a timeless word uh, and uh, just trying to kind of quietly root for him it's kind of like Billy did uh, there at Florida State last weekend you just have to kind of quiet cheer you know 
Um, so I cheer for both teams for the most part. But yeah, I, I think it was that growing up with Notre Dame and seeing their swagger and seeing how, you know, the kind of football titan they are, that there was a little part of me that sparked, you know, it's like, well, but Purdue's pretty good too, you know? And so uh, you'd kind of be really, really happy when they won. <laughs> what, what was your favorite memory in the rivalry, you know, once you were, were a Purdue student and then a Purdue grad? Yeah, well, I was a, a Purdue student uh, from what, 88 to 93. I was on the five-year plan. Um, and uh, it was uh, not a great time for Purdue football. God bless them. Um, but it was, they just were not that good. Uh, so it was actually when I went back there during my formation time, my first year in uh, seminary formation, I went there in 97 um, for the Purdue Notre Dame game. And it was just amazing. Notre Dame did well, but Purdue uh, edged them out. And so we actually rushed the field. And at that moment, I was totally Purdue. There was no uh, Notre Dame involved. We took the goalposts down and might have had a few beverages afterwards or before. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I don't remember, but, so I, I was kind of taunting the Notre Dame fans in the crowd. And at one point I thought, what, what am I doing here? So that both sides were kind of in conflict at that point. But it was a great, great memory. Great to be there. Bishop, is that when you guys threw him out of the family? <laughs> oh, that was long uh, before. Yes. No, it is interesting, though. I do remember that there were times when uh, Neil would watch the game elsewhere, either in another room or in another location, and that was good. And it wasn't bitter, you know, because, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, would, I, I don't know. I'm sure there are some Notre Dame fans who really hate Purdue, you know, to use that strong language. But but it's it's we don't direct that kind of emotion to Purdue as we do say to um, other schools like maybe USC or Michigan, you know, that have <laughs> uh, you know this this really emotional attachment or whatever detachment anyway. Uh, so it was it was friendly, but 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 it was like yeah, you, you just go watch over there, you know, it might be better for both of us for all of us. Bishop, you got a chance to be at the we hinted at this at the Florida State game uh, because you are the bishop down there at Pensacola, Tallahassee, and. Uh, you were remarking before we started, you were in the in the athletic director's box and you kind of had to be very careful in how you were cheering. Take us through that and how difficult that is <laughs> as the bishop uh, of Florida State Territory, but obviously a true and true Notre Dame fan. Yeah, it was really fun. The, um, the athletic director, his wife actually is a parishioner at, a, at one of our parishes. And so she invited me and a couple of other Notre Dame grads to come into the box um, but you know, I knew it. We, at the on the back of the uh, badge, it said, "We respectfully ask that you do not wear apparel of the opposing team in the box, and we respectfully ask you do not cheer out loud for the opposing team." Which makes total sense. It's the athletic director's box. Um, so the three of us were huddled in the corner, you know, and actually they had asked that we all wear masks in the box. You look out, <laughs> seventy thousand people, no masks, but in the in the. Uh, uh, in the boxes we were wearing masks so that helped us actually so when Notre Dame would score we would just say okay you guys mental high five mental high five isn't this awesome all right all right <laughs> meanwhile you hear behind us no 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 and they're they're complaining and everything and they're really mad and we're just like okay yes yes we're cheering on the inside cheering on the inside but and then you know then we had a little swagger because we scored Notre Dame scored early and we thought all right this is going to be easy so you know FSU scored and we got up and we did the tomahawk chop you know and we're oh, you know, just kept being nice, <laughs> nice guests and everything. But then as FSU started to, you know, excel and looked like Notre Dame might lose, we kind of just sat there again, mouse like in the, co in the corner, 
but it was nice. It was just friendly. It was just we. I could. I. I like to pace. I like to kind of you know express myself, yell a little bit at this TV screen or whatever, and just get that energy out. But it was weird, just huddled watching the game in there. I mean, this maybe sounds like a silly question because obviously you guys are priests, and prayer is so much about uh, the way you live your life. But uh, how much did you intersect football and faith together? You know, growing up, and then as you became students, and then after you became priests, how how did that maybe evolve over time in terms of that intersection of how football played with faith in, in your guys' mind? So uh, from a family of 10, there were uh, two girls and eight boys in a row. So after school, uh, we would throw our books in the house and then we'd go outside and play. And it, sometimes it was baseball and basketball, but a lot of times it was football. Um, in fact, in fact, I have some uh, scars on my knees from where my older brother, Bishop Bill, tripped me into the end zone, which was the street. It was totally illegal, and there's still bits of gravel in my knees. Uh, so as we uh, would play football and have a good time, then all of a sudden at the door, our mom would appear and would just yell out, rosary. And we all knew what that meant. We had to come in and pray the rosary. And so begrudgingly sometimes we would go in and pray the family rosary um and i remember as i was praying the rosary thinking of plays you know how as soon as we finish those 15 minutes we can get back out and i know the play that's going to actually win the game for us um so there's kind of that interaction back then um later on for me just um just wearing the the clerical shirt um walking on campus during a football weekend there at notre dame um that there was an an huge interaction because obviously all these fans were coming in for the home football games and sure they'd go to the stadium and they'd go to the bookstore and those are great things but they would end up gravitating towards the uh, basilica and the grotto and so just to be able to interact with them and, and have people walking on campus they they think i worked there or something so where's this where's that but inevitably they would say father will you pray for me you know my i just lost my mom right I'm worried about my my grandfather, you know, or just what have you. So just that that need inter intersection happened so easily um, at Notre Dame for those home football games. So it was just always neat to walk around as a priest. A um, little more interesting during the tailgating. Uh, sometimes people would kind of point at you and say, is, is that real? Is that real? Pointing at my collar. Um, and they'd want to take pictures drunkenly. Uh, I'd, I'd always take pictures with them. And I'd say, well, now you have to make sure you pray, pray after this. Sure, we'll pray for the Irish. And I'm like, all right, that's a good start, I guess. Uh, so that was where I found that intersection. Yeah, and, and I think for me, it was more um, after I was in seminary, kind of like what Neil was saying, you know, just uh, that that presence of uh, kind of wearing something that that identified me as a seminarian and later as a priest, that, that was kind of a neat way to bring the faith into that venue, if you will. But also, I would say this, just kind of being proud of seeing um, Notre Dame uh, kind of embrace, I know this sounds funny, but embrace the faith during the game more and more. You know, yeah. when I was an undergrad, you never heard them announce uh, mass times, but now it's a normal thing. You know, masses will be celebrated in the following 10 locations after the game, you know. A little bit of prayer. I wish we said a prayer before the games. I, I hinted at that with one of the presidents and because we do that at the service academies. They pray before the, the games. I wish we would do that. But All right. Well, finally, uh, well, you still got to give us some predictions. What do you guys think? Uh, Father Neil, we'll go with your prediction first. 
Oh boy. Uh, I'm just going to have envelopes that listen to this probably. So this will be safe. Um, church envelopes, you know, giving money. Uh, I'm going to say Purdue 30, Notre Dame 17. Wow. He didn't even just pick Purdue. He picked the 13 points. Wow. I'm uh, sorry. I just based off last weekend, but I, you know. Sure. Uh, did really well. They, yeah. Go ahead. That was close, except I had it the other way around. I don't know why, just the numbers uh, 32 to 24, Notre Dame came uh, to mind. Okay. I just want to thank you both for, for joining us and uh, sharing your stories, the family history and everything like that. And, and uh, it was great to hear those stories here on Focus on Faith. Thank you, Angela. Thanks so much. Go Irish, go Boilers. Yep. God bless you all. Thank you for having us. Bishop Bill and Father Neil Walk, great to have them on board here to chat about Notre Dame versus Purdue and their great family history as well. All right, up next, who will cause Notre Dame fits today for Purdue? We break it all down in our game day sprint on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Are you struggling to make ends meet or know someone who is? Let the St. Vincent de Paul Society help. From food to clothing vouchers, financial assistance, and even beds for children, the St. Vincent de Paul Society has been helping the community since 1904. Programs are available to residents of St. Joseph County at no cost. For more information, call 574-234-6000 or visit our website at svdpsb.org. Welcome welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Tim Priester joining us back here to get our game day sprint bout. <laughs> we only got about three minutes to go, so uh, let's let's. it will be a sprint to say the least. All right, we did ask our poll question, how many wins will Notre Dame end up at the end of the season? Preseason, 12 wins had 23%, 11 wins had 31%, 10 wins was the winner at 36%, 9 or fewer had 10%. Today, 12 wins down to 12%. 11 wins down to 6%. 10 <laughs> wins at 38%. Nine or fewer up to 44%, oh, Tim. Now, now, now. Wow. Where are you at? Uh, the 10 and 2 range. I had said 11 and 1, 10 and 2 going into the season, thinking North Carolina and Cincinnati. But, man, I you know, I know Wisconsin defensively. I, you know, they're 2 and 0. So let, let's see if they can make some improvements. I'm not going to radically change what my preseason thoughts were, but they better get a lot better on the offensive line. We talked about George Kaloftis earlier in the show, the outstanding Purdue defensive end. He has no sacks this year, but 11 hurries. Does he get sack number one and two and maybe three today? Well, he definitely gets at least one because Notre Dame has some issues at, at offensive tackle. But I like Jack Plummer a lot. I think he's a very resourceful quarterback. Payne Durham, is uh, he's not Michael Mayer, but you're going to see Payne Durham at tight end do some things. We also we talked about Bell. I like their secondary. Corey Trice is a big six three uh, cornerback, which is which is longer than most. I think it's a I think it's a good football team. This is a big year for Purdue because they've really been they've really been struggling in recent years. David Bell, their wide receiver, Payne Durham, their tight end, combined twenty five catches and all six touchdowns. So that's who if they're looking for the red zone, that's that's who they're going to is one of those two guys. Okay, what are your keys to the game? How do you see this game playing out? Well, I think the the key for Notre Dame is to, where the advantage really lies is Notre Dame's defensive front against Purdue's offensive line. They haven't been able to run it. You know, they gave up two sacks in the first three plays of Connecticut last week. So, um, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a line that has really struggled. I think that that's a differentiator for Notre Dame. Jack Plummer has six touchdown passes 
and zero interceptions. I think I think the interception total changes today, but he's really he's good and he's really accurate. I'd like to see them get the ball to Kevin Austin a little bit more here today. I mean, obviously you can't. I, I was I was saying maybe get the ball to Michael Mayer more, but we saw that happen, and then it was a pick six, right? If you force it too much, it's problematic. But I would love to see them get the ball to Kevin Austin more and get and get that aspect going. And certainly we want to see the run game getting going for Notre Dame. We just don't know if it will against this Purdue team. You have to do some different things. You run some jet sweeps. You have to widen the field. That's what Tyler Buckner gave them, the ability to widen the field. So you have to do some things maybe with your receivers. You can do a lot of creative things with Kyron Williams and Chris Tyler because they're adept in the passing game. All right, real quick, your prediction for today? I have an already 34, Purdue, Purdue 23. I think Purdue is quite capable of winning this game today. But I think Notre Dame's D-line against our O-line is a separator. Ilya didn't get to chime in at all. But real quick, Ilya, your score prediction. Uh, Notre Dame covers a spread, 27-17 Notre Dame. All right, and I've got Notre Dame winning this one 31-17. I still think it'll be close the most of the game, and then maybe fourth quarter they pull away and get the victory. Tim, thanks so much for filling in today. My pleasure, Ange. Thanks for having me. Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated filling in for Kevin Downey here today. That'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, Ily Glasman, and again to Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated. For the best insider coverage of Notre Dame football, check out irishillustrated.com. Kevin Downey will be back with us next week. Notre Dame Purdue, 2.30 kickoff on NBC. This is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We close with our pregame prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame Mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary Our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Support for programming on Redeemer Radio is provided by the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture at the University of Notre Dame. The DeNicola Center is committed to sharing the richness of the Catholic moral and intellectual tradition, both on campus and in the wider public square. Learn more about the DeNicola Center and see our schedule of upcoming conferences, lectures, and events at ethicscenter.nd.edu.